Warning, the following podcast has been classified as insanely lucrative. Listener discretion is advised. The only dirty trick that I've really seen a lot of lately, and it is a really dirty trick, is that people will go onto a competitor's listing and they'll vote up a negative review. Your attention, please. Please. Listening to the AMPM podcast may cause recurring revenue stream and unfair unfair advantages over your competitors. Other side effects may include better wallets, fired bosses, and longer vacations. Listen at your own risk. Here's your host, seven-figure entrepreneur and online marketing madman, Manny Coates. Manny Coates. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the AMPM podcast. My name is Manny Coates, and I will be your host. And this is the show where we discuss all things Amazon private label and how to generate recurring revenue streams 24 hours per day during the AM and the PM, hence the name of the show. Get it? AMPM podcast. As a matter of fact, we've got a new office, and we just got it on May 1st, and I haven't even been in it. We've been so busy. It's an empty office right now. So while I haven't been in that office, I have still been making money. How cool is that? Pretty cool, I think. So guys, today we have Cynthia Stein. I bet you most of you guys actually know who she is, but for those of you that don't, she deals with people that do bad things, right? People that get suspended. Maybe it's not their fault, but for one reason or another, Amazon has suspended you and you need to get back online Well, she's the person that you can actually go to to uh, help get yourself reinstated or maybe get one of your ASINs reinstated, right? Hopefully you have some insurance as well because there's suspension insurance. She's also one of the people that these companies use to get you reinstated within that five-day period. So she knows what's going on behind the scenes. She's dealing with tons and tons of sellers. She sees all the craziness that these guys are doing to get suspended. So I wanted to pick her brain. I wanted to find out why do people get suspended? What kind of crazy stuff are they doing? What about all the normal stuff that used to be, you know, totally legit and okay to do? You know, can that stuff get you suspended today? So we're going to dive deep. This is going to be a pretty decent and long interview. It's going to be running about an hour, but it's packed full of information all the way to the end. And we'll probably do another one in a few months because things change so quickly. So without further ado, guys, let's get into that podcast episode right now with Cynthia Stein. Hello, everybody. I am here with Cynthia Stein. She's a consultant and Amazon seller advocate. Her company, eGrowth Partners, helps sellers get reinstated and resolve problems with Amazon. A seller herself, she understands the seller experience. She's here to talk to us today about changes at Amazon and how they might affect all of you guys, myself included. Cynthia, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's great to be here again. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. I have I have a handful of questions, but I want to just kind of keep this free flowing. We're just going to jump around and talk about things and see where it goes. There's always a lot happening at Amazon. (laughs) Yeah. So anything happened? What's the most recent thing that's happened? Um, I think probably one of the more recent things that's been happening is the forecoming of brand registry 2.0. This has been in beta for a while and we've seen it affect uh, some of our clients. Um, And it's supposed to go live any day. And in fact, I haven't checked today. I mean, it may even be live today. Um, But what we've seen from those companies who were beta testing it is um, that they're able to take down a lot of listings very easily. And the way um, the way we've heard that it's supposed to work, they were demoing it at Shop Talk in March, um, is that basically any company 
So they do not have to be a seller on the platform. They can come and register their brand and their trademarks and copyrights with Amazon. And so this is, by the way, really great news for brands everywhere, private label, big companies, little companies. Mm -hmm. um, you can come and register your brand with Amazon. And once that process is completed, then you have the ability to look at all the listings that mention your company's name or use those their trademarks or copyrights in it. And you can pull them all up on a screen and you'll be able to go through and click people that are violating your intellectual property. And it's really going to be that simple. And the way I've noticed it happening is my client may get a takedown and at the bottom of the email from Amazon will be like 30 ASINs <laughs> and, yeah. and they don't even sell most of them. Right. Mm -hmm. But that's because it's the same message going to every single person. And so it lists every single ASIN that they're taking down at once. Um, yeah. And I actually have access to the system and it's really cool. It's exactly as you describe. You can search by actually there's really cool ways of searching. You can search by keyword. You can mm -hmm. search by ASINs. It looks for your brand. There's the IP infringement issues with your trademark, but there's also copyright infringement. So if you mm -hmm. throw up your images, it'll actually search all of Amazon for your images and it'll actually find those. And then you can file a copyright infringement against those people and get them taken down. So that's kind of a, that's a new feature I wasn't expecting. Yes. So, I mean, it's very exciting for rights holders and um, it gives them a lot more power on the platform. And um, also, as you know, because you're in it, but it is a separate URL. So it's not, it's kind of like seller central in the sense that it's a, you know, it's a separate login. It's a separate thing. But what's unique about it is you can access it from anywhere and you don't have to be a seller or a supplier to Amazon to access it. So it's truly uh, outside of the other mechanisms that we communicate with Amazon. Yeah, it's its own beast. You're absolutely right. Yeah. You, in fact, you have to be logged out of your Seller Central account if you want to log in. It conflicts. There's some kind of weird thing mm -hmm. that goes on. Yeah, that exactly right. And actually, that's true for uh, a number of the other seller platforms, you know, vendor, um, create space, uh, <laughs> almost all of Amazon's um, many, many businesses, uh, you have to log into them separately yeah. um, and independently, not, not at the same time. Um, so what this has meant for our clients, however, because, you know, they come to us because they're taken down, right? Um, is that there's going to be a lot more infringement cases. Um, and it is difficult sometimes to work these out. What Amazon wants you to do is to resolve the issue with the rights holder. And sometimes that's really hard to do, especially if the rights holder suddenly just got a hundred sellers emailing them. Um, I have a client who's going through that right now. And they were overwhelmed with all these email appeals from sellers. Uh, I guess they didn't quite expect what was about to happen. Um, and, and so then what happens is you either have to prove that the rights holder is wrong um, or you have to resolve the issue with them. And usually it means, you know, never selling that again or getting their permission. Um, and, you know, and again, if you think they're wrong, then you have to hire an attorney generally to help you navigate that. 
Yeah. Um, and then half the time, the, the rights holder won't even talk to you unless you have an attorney. So um, that's part of why in our practice we've developed packages uh, to deal with this, because which um, allow for several hours of an attorney's time that we work with, because uh, most infringement cases are going to require some legal support. And so even though we can put together the letters and we can help file with Amazon, um, the fact is sometimes we need legal proof like, you know, this is not their copyright or um, like with patent cases, you know, the patent is not applied to our product. Um, so it can get pretty hairy when you're suddenly wading into these waters. Yeah. Um, so I think that that's going to be an issue that's going to cause some trouble for sellers. And, um, you know, one of the ways to get around it is, you know, to make sure if you're buying from a manufacturer or a wholesaler or a distributor that they're authorized and that you have permission to sell that product on Amazon. And I think it's just going to become a matter of how sellers do business that when they want to make a purchase, you know, from a supplier that they get that letter um, or it's in their contract. If they're signing a contract that says, yes, I have permission to sell on Amazon. Yeah. Um, so it's a, it's going to be a pain for sellers. <laughs> I mean, there's no way around it. Right. But yeah, well, they're making it, they're making it super easy now because you can literally, like you said, you go in there and it pulls up, you type in your brand name and boom, it pulls up everything that's got your brand. You can submit 50 different companies at a time. And they're fast too. The new system, mm -hmm. they get back to you within a day. So yep. Super really, fast. really, really quick. Maybe you have an answer for this because this actually happened to me. This works really well when your brand name, when you have a trademark on a brand name. By the way, you guys have to have trademarks now. It's not like the old brand registry where you didn't need a trademark. They're requiring, at least when I was doing this, they were requiring a trademark to actually get into this. But uh, Yes, absolutely. Okay. So if you have a single word for a trademark, you're good, right? If you're You've got some kind of made up word or whatever, you know, like Lego or Nike or those things are solid. But if mm -hmm. you're, if your brand, like most, most people, I think have multiple words, at least the people that I know it's, you know, they'll have, you know, it's like, you know, cool steel or whatever the brand is. Hot um, deals. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully not that, not, not that bad, but yeah, you get the point, right? It's two mm -hmm. words. They might be common. They might not be super common, but they're still two individual words. And what's happening is even if you have a trademark, you can protect that particular category, which is, is good. But if you have people that go in and they say, okay, I'm going to take the first word and stick it in keyword field number one on the back end and take the second word and put it in my description, then Amazon combines them. You rank organically for that trademark and their system does not pick it up. And if you try to, and I've tried, I've actually gone after people in my specific niche and said, hey, they're clearly using my two words. They're not the most popular words and they can't do anything about it. They're saying, sorry. So what are your thoughts there? Yeah. Okay. So that's, that's one of the many um, unintended consequences of this new um, tool. Uh, every time Amazon launches something new, you expect there to be hiccups in the beginning uh, while they work out all the bugs. And I am glad that it's been in beta for as long as it has, because I'm hoping that there won't be as many bugs, but I can definitely see how um, this would happen where somebody might get accidentally taken down and really they haven't done anything wrong and they're not violating and then they still have to go fight the case. Yeah. Um, and um, I can also see where, you know, from the, the brand rights holder, 
uh, how difficult it is to pick through and really pick out the ASINs that are infringing. I mean, I hope that everyone who uses this tool will be very careful uh, with it. Um, one of the things that you can do with this tool is you can cherry pick. So if you have an ASIN and maybe you have two authorized people that are authorized to sell on it, and then there's a whole bunch of other people who are selling on it, right? You can send out your notices so that the people you know are authorized don't get them. So I hope that that happens too, because in the past with old brand registry and, and issues like this, I've had clients who were taken down with everybody else and, you know, and they had permission and they got back on and it was all resolved, but you know, it takes a couple of days. Nothing is ever fast. And um, so I'll be very hopeful that people who use the tool do it responsibly. Yeah. Um, but I anticipate a fair number of screw ups <laughs> in the beginning. Yeah, people will figure out how to abuse the system for sure. Well, let me ask you, I have another question related to brand name. Um, mm -hmm. Okay, for example, a couple months ago, or actually a few months ago, if you weren't indexed for a keyword, and you can use various tools to see if you're indexed, the other way to do it is just to type in your in the search field, you can type ASIN plus a keyword or a keyword phrase, and you can see if Amazon's indexing you for that. And if you're not, then the concept at the time was, hey, you're, you're just not going to rank for it. You can't. Now, it looks like Amazon has really rolled out some new algorithm changes and it's changed because I've personally seen it now where I'm clearly not indexed for something, but I can rank organically for it. And to give you a, a great example that actually probably falls into your area of expertise, one of these keywords was a, another person's trademark brand. I assume mm -hmm. it was trademark. They said it was trademark. I didn't, I never heard of it. So we got a letter from them basically saying, hey, you're infringing on our IP. This is the ASIN that's infringing. Please remove this keyword from your listing. So I went in and I looked at it, at my, my listing, and I'm like, where is this? Did I accidentally paste it into one of the keywords, you know, way back in the day? Sure. And I looked, couldn't find it. It was nowhere. So basically I went back to them and, oh, and I did, you know, an index check with one of our tools and sure enough, nothing. We weren't indexed for it. But when you typed it into the search field and hit enter, by itself without an ASIN, boom, we were on page one for their brand name. So I'm like, oh, no wonder they're upset. So what most likely happened is, you know, we got a sale through an automatic campaign through sponsored ads, and then we started, you know, ranking for that. But we just told them, hey, sorry, we don't have it. You know, you can check with your account rep and they can check the listing. But yeah, we're definitely not using your brand. Have you seen this? Oh, yes. And actually, I can explain a little bit what's happening. It's uh, right. technic it's technical and I don't, I'm not as, I'm not that technical, but what I'm, here's what it is. They've changed the algorithm, uh, like you said, quite a bit. And what they're doing, and actually Google's doing this too, is they're trying to make, um, associations. So, um, you know how, like when you look at a listing, it might say, you know, people who bought this also bought this or people who you know, looked at this listing, also looked at these listings. Um, this is a very simplified form of what they're actually doing now. It's amazing what they're doing now. Um, and so, but it's all behind the scenes. It's all the algorithm. And so brands cannot dictate this and nor can sellers affect it. But it's one of the ways that they want to uh, make a better buyer experience, of course, um, and that they can uh, make more accurate suggestions for you and that they can um, bring in things that you might not think about that would be, you know, related to the search. So when someone keys in a search, 
it may be fairly vague, right? Um, it could bring up a whole bunch of garbage. And so uh, the one thing you want is like buried on page three, right? So what they're trying to do is bring up the search terms, but also make it so it's very easy that you can go down one channel very easily, like, oh, I meant this versus this. And they'll bring up for you options that you may not have even realized could be related to what you're looking for. And um, I saw a diagram of it and everything. It's very sexy. Um, but so, so the unintended consequence of that in, insane sexiness, which it is, which will make our search experience so much better, um, is one, you will rank for things that you never thought about. Um, and that's good for the seller because you're going to be popping up on some areas that you just just never occurred to you might be of interest or might be an area that would be a good key phrase, right? Um, but from the, again, the brand owners who are like, hey, how come he's on my first page um, when I type in my name? It's not because you misused the platform. It's because um, for some reason they feel that your product is associated to theirs. Either people have searched for their product and your product, or they've searched in the same category, or, I mean, that's the thing. The black box is really mysterious. Um, but at a conference I was at recently, they went over this in um, greater detail, and I was just fascinated by it. Um, but yes, I can see that causing problems for brands, for people like you who have to deal with it. Um, you know, you didn't do anything wrong, but still you have to deal with it. And um, that's okay if it's here and there, right? But if you're getting, if you start to get these like all the damn time, you're going to get really irritated. Um, yeah, no, you're talking, so these word vectors. So if you have the mm -hmm. word car in there and you've never used the word vehicle anywhere on your listing, Amazon's going to figure it out and say, well, you mm -hmm. know what, this is related. So we're going to rank you for, instead of car polish, vehicle polish. And you're like, how am I ranking for, or getting sales on vehicle polish? I don't even use the word mm -hmm. vehicle. So yep. yeah, it's, it's, right it's super cool. It's yes. really, really nice. Like you said, Google's been doing it for a while and mm -hmm. Amazon's really rolling this out. And I think people are still trying to figure it out because it seems like it's pretty new, right? Like in the uh, last- Yeah, yeah it's definitely within the last couple of months. And, yeah. and of course, like so many things, Amazon, they roll it out and they don't tell you um, what they're doing. Yeah. And, um, and it's all fine until something goes wrong, like in your case. Um, yeah. But I felt confident, you know, because I'm like, well, I'm not indexed for this keyword. It's not in my listing. So I'm like, Psh, guys, sorry. I didn't know what, how to respond. I wanted to respond, but I'm just like, check with your account rep. And I just assumed mm -hmm. they had an account rep. Like, check with your account rep. They'll verify what I'm saying is true. And they never responded back. Yeah. But, but shifting, I have, I mean, I have well, a lot of questions here. Or did you, you want to add something to that? I have one more thing on sure. um, brand registry 2.0. Okay. Um, so here's the thing that people don't realize either. Let's say that I'm Mattel. And I come in and I register all my brands and copyrights on Amazon, which would probably take weeks. <laughs> but let's say we do that, right? Now, when they pull up their listings, they actually now own those listings. So these were, you know, Barbie, whatever. These were all toys or listings that were put up by third-party sellers. But now that the brand is on the platform and they own those, those brands and those listings, they can change them, fix them, they can do things to them. And, and so um, I, I, people are going to find that listings that they thought they kind of owned, because um, maybe they put it up there, they don't own anymore. It's owned by the rights holder. 
So I'm looking to see how that affects things. I'll be very curious to see how that plays out. Okay. Yeah, me too. Great, great. So I'm going to start asking questions that I see come in on a regular basis in our Facebook group. Mm-hmm. Okay. First of all is email follow-ups. Okay. Because we know that Amazon, not too long ago, they kind of changed their terms of service on this. So what are they actually clamping down on? Okay. So we've had quite a few people recently suspended for uh, uh, product review manipulation. And, and so uh, some of them have been the emails. So they are cracking down. Um, basically, what they don't seem to like are the either or if then questions. Or, so in yeah. other words, if you're, you know, if you're pissed at me, please, you know, contact me directly at this link. If you're happy, please leave a five star review here. Um, Amazon doesn't like that. Um, and so they're cracking down on that. They are cracking down on people who send follow up emails asking for reviews who maybe have just run a promo, you know, 25% off or whatever. Um, And then they're still cracking down on people who have in the past uh, either had friends and family leave them reviews or they used programs and um, AMZ Tracker, AMZ Trader. um, These are named by names in Amazon's takedowns. So they are definitely, whatever those guys are doing, it's not good. Again, I have nothing against these programs. I don't really know them. I guess what I want to tell people, and like I said, I don't have any any particular issue against the service providers, but, you know, frankly, if they tell you that they're compliant, you know, take it with a grain of salt. Um, You really need to know and understand Amazon's rules for yourself. And the thing is, all of these service guys, they're all trying to push the envelope to get the maximum results for their clients. You can't blame them for that. But sometimes it's going to fall afoul of Amazon's rules. And um, but yes, a lot of people have uh, email follow ups that ask for product reviews that um, ask for positive product reviews. Still, despite like podcasts like yours and, you know, conferences and speeches and blogs, people are still doing it. Um, And they show up at my door when Amazon catches them. Do you, I mean, the act of simply reaching out to a customer though, if you've got an email follow-up campaign, let's say you're using Feedback Genius or Mm -hmm. whatever system you're using and you follow up and you say, hey, you know, I hope, you know, your product is, everything arrived okay. If not, hit reply and let me know. By the way, you know, I'm a small business owner. It would really help me if you leave me a review. Don't do it in the same email. So here's what I suggest. If your first email is, hey, your product is out for delivery today you know, check it out, make sure everything's okay. Um, you know, that's fine. And, and at, at that time, it's perfectly appropriate to say, if, if everything's not 100% perfect, please contact me here. And, yeah, I, was, I was talking about after they received it, I just want to mm-hmm. make sure you received it. And that email you're saying you can't ask for a review? I'm saying don't tell them to contact you if they have a problem. If you're going to have an email that says, I'm asking for, you know, please leave a review. That's pretty much the only thing you should say. And really? Would, okay. I've heard so, I guess, conflicting information where people say, you've got to provide some kind of value to the user. You can't just reach out to them and say, hey, I want to review. So that- Well, I mean, you can, but what I'm saying is that you, you cannot ask for a review in the same email where you direct them to you if they have problems. Because that's an if-then. If you're not happy come to me. If you are happy, please leave a review. 
Well, what if you're not wording it that way? I've seen those, the ones that I've specifically, and I've seen these a million times, right? Where they say, hey, if you're not happy or you have a problem, click here. And mm-hmm. if you if you do like the product, you know, uh, uh, click here. So one goes to seller feedback or wherever, one goes to the review, boom, that's not good. No, that's, no, not, that's not good. Nobody should be doing that. But if in the email itself that says, hey, if you've received anything other than, you know, amazing service for me, hit reply, just hit your reply button. Let me know why so I can help fix this. Otherwise, if you can leave me an honest review, I would really appreciate it. Not asking for a good review or a five-star, just an honest review, click here. Do you feel that's still skirting the edge there? I kind of do. So um, there's a seller that I know um, that he he does like a four, I think it's a four email campaign. And he uses the first three to get rid of the problems, right? Right. And, and that's the whole idea is that if anybody's unhappy, he takes care of them with the first three. And, um, and on the fourth one is when he asks for the review. And, um, and, and the, you know, as long as you don't say, you know, if you're happy, if, you know, you, just, you can't anything like that. You just have to say, or if you like the product, no, you can't say that. And usually I tell people to say something like, um, you know, product reviews are so important um, to other buyers, you know, something like that. You know, we'd really love if you would share your experience. Here's the link, you know, and just really um, do that. And so, like I said, with this other guy, he clears out the unhappy people early so that by the time right. somebody gets that email, they're they're positive. And but he doesn't. um specifically say that they're positive. It's just that they, all the negatives have hopefully been taken care of. And looking at his metrics, um, he has an amazing metric. He, he gets about a 10% response and which is incredible for, for organic feedback. And um, it's almost all positive. I mean, it's amazing. So um, I think that that's a better trick than trying to be something slippery inside the email um, is to spend the first, however long your campaign is, is to spend the first few emails trying to take care of the buyer who's unhappy. And then for the one who's happy, you know, you hope at the end, you know, offering them a chance to leave a review then. Okay. How does Amazon actually catch you with this kind of stuff? Is it a manual process where they're just spot checking or is there something that oh, automatically It's the algorithm. Here's the thing. Amazon's algorithm goes through all buyer-seller correspondence. Now, um, you know, so if something is triggered, if maybe for some reason you're already under review, then they'll really scrutinize it, right? Um, But otherwise, they just crank through it all the time. That's how half my clients get their ASINs taken down um, is because a buyer, you know, um, has made a complaint in an email to the seller, you know. they're unhappy about whatever, whatever. And depending on the trigger words that they use, um, that can lead to an ASIN being suspended. Mm. How fast have you seen it actually happen? From the time someone sends out these emails to the time, boom, they're hit with a suspension. It, I've seen it happen very fast, but I've also seen it happen very slow. And my thought is because there's so many of these to go through um, that sometimes you get away with stuff for a while. So if there are listeners right now that are doing this and they're like, holy crap, I'm doing that. I need to stop right now. Mm -hmm. And they stop it. Can Amazon, have you seen Amazon come back two months later, even after they've stopped and then suspend them? Yes. Um, Mm, uh, Or or at least warn them. Like I had a client who got warned this week 
um, that they had been manipulating. And but they were given the opportunity. And I think it has a lot to do with how good your metrics are and, you know, if they consider you a good seller or not. So if you're someone who's basically clean, I think they give you a warning. But if you're someone they've had other problems with, (coughs) they'll take you down. Okay. And then you have uh, to confess that you use, you know, such and such <laughs> service back in December or whatever. Uh, right. I have a client that's doing that right now. And in fact, uh, all those takedowns last week, was it only last week? Um, all the um, people suspended for product review manipulation. Well, yeah. there was some kind of mistake because a lot of them were back by the next morning. <coughs> Excuse me. A lot of them were back by the next morning. But there were plenty who were not back and who had to go through the process of, you know, explaining to Amazon. And like I said, sometimes the the sins, quote unquote, were mm-hmm. pretty old. But on the other hand, that works in their favor when you get them reinstated because you can say, well, look, you know, we stopped. Yeah. Let me give you a scenario. You're doing a promo, a launch. Okay. You're using viral launch, any, any service that you want. You're doing discounts. You're just discounting the product. Let's say you're discounting it down to a few dollars. You also have a follow-up sequence that it's evergreen. It's been running for a year on your products and you just happen to want to boost some rankings you know, by doing promos. And you haven't touched that follow-up. It's always the same. But these follow-up sequences, you know how they are. It's like on day three after they receive it, send email number one, send email number two on this day. So the people that got this at a discount at two or three dollars are gonna get these emails. If they get these and they leave a review, are you putting yourself at grave risk? And if so, how do you handle promos and you know stuff that's on autopilot? Well, that would be, yes, you're, you can be putting yourself at risk. Um, I've got one of those in-house right now, um, and their percentage off was ridiculously small, and it still has to be part of the appeal. Um, And so uh, what I would say is most of the programs that do the automated emails have a way to either block an ASIN, um, you know, for as long as you want, or to basically opt out um, for a while. So if you're going to run a promo on product X, you can uh, either turn off the email sequence for that or have a special email sequence for that. And in the special email sequence, you don't ask for a review. Okay. At all. all right. Just realize Amazon will come back a few weeks later and ask them for a review, and that just has to be good enough. Right. So you should probably go pause your automatic campaigns there. Yeah. Um, until it's gone through, I guess. Yeah. So again, I mean, you could turn it off at the ASIN level, like just, hey, I'm going to yeah. run this promo for a week. I'm going to turn off, you know, uh, all the emails for ASIN X for the next, you know, three or four weeks, however long it would take for the, the final person to have bought something. Or like I said, you can uh, you can have multiple campaigns, and you, I know with Feedback Genius you can have ASIN specific campaigns. So you might just create a new campaign just for that ASIN um, that um, you know doesn't ask for a review. Okay, I have to go look. Do they have features in there that say if there's a promo, don't send a campaign? I have to go look. Maybe they have that. I haven't looked in such a long time. Um, I know they offer the option. I don't know if they tell you what to do. Like. Okay. A lot of these tools aren't going to tell you that much about how to do, you know, what to do. They may not, I don't know if they recommend, you know, turn it off, but I know that you have the ability to do that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Let's talk about something else. What if, so Amazon, the largest server provider, right? They have their cloud service. So if you are using that 
and you have an Amazon link, you know, to a PDF file or, or video or whatever it is, mm-hmm. Amazon allows you to link that in the emails. They don't block it. It's like if you put a regular URL in there, they, they block that, but they allow those through. Is that okay in your opinion? Have you seen any issues with follow-up emails that have those Amazon links that link to a video or PDF or something like that? I haven't seen any problem with that as long as the video or document is compliant with Amazon. So again, you can have a video, um, but you have to remember it can't be a sales video, right? It can be a how-to video. It can be here's how to get the best use out of your new product. Those are all fine, but it can't be like a a sales video where they're trying to upsell you to something else or they're trying to, um, you know, lead you to another website or any of that stuff. They, you still have to follow the rules. But, yeah, you can use them. I've seen people use them very successfully. Same with the PDF, right? You're, maybe you want to provide, you know, 10 tips for, you know, a better supplement experience, whatever. Uh, you can do that all day long. Just don't okay. be sending them out to your website or trying to capture them in your marketing campaigns, right? Okay. All right. So let's say you have a, it's just a little separate question. If you have a gel, you sell jelly bean machines mm-hmm. and they come with some jelly beans, your custom branded jelly beans. Is it okay to send a follow-up? You know, we hope you enjoy it, blah, blah, blah. Here's some, you know, some cool things you can do with it. By the way, we recommend you use our jelly beans to maintain the health of your machine. Here's a link to the jelly beans we recommend, which is would link to your product, another product, which is jelly beans. Is that cool to do? Um, well, you know, that's risky because, again, Amazon doesn't want you using their platform for marketing like that. Um, you know, I, I guess what I would do is say create a bundle with your jelly beans and then yeah. you can put an insert in your package that says, hey, are you out of jelly beans? you know, use this to get 10% off the next time you buy our jelly beans. If you're the owner, right, you can do that if you're the the brand owner. Um, The other thing that I've seen people do, which technically you're not supposed to, but it's very hard for Amazon to catch, um, is they will send out in regular mail a letter to the, the buyer and they'll say, hey, thanks for buying our jelly bean machine. By the way, if you, you know, we hope you love it. And, um, you know, if you would like to refill with our amazing jelly beans, you know, here's a coupon for you. And make it an Amazon coupon um, and stuff like that. So that works. And I've seen that, like, the companies that do it the most, I know because they send them to me, um, are like water filters, air filters, those filter guys. (laughs) And they're, you're saying they're doing this off Amazon? They're yeah. Like they're getting your email through some kind of email appending service no, no, and no. then emailing you direct? No, no. no they're using, e- okay. They're, they're doing real mail, direct mail. Oh, okay. Direct mail. They're sending you a letter through the post office. Uh-huh. And that's, uh, okay, that's gotcha. what I'm saying. It's very hard for Amazon to catch that or crack down on that. They would have mm-hmm. to literally buy the product and, you know, have it show up in the mail a few weeks later. But that's wow. so I've seen people do that successfully. So they're pulling the addresses, obviously, off of the platform and, you know, uh-huh. mailing them an offer to buy discounted, you know, refills. Wow. And do you feel like they're getting a good ROI on that? It's working for them? I Yeah. The companies that I've seen doing it and I know it works for me. I use the coupons. <laughs> OK, nice. <laughs> All right. There you go. A non-suspension tip there. Yeah. So, <laughs> so that's pretty cool. But it, you know, it, it's an idea. And um you know, also, if you have um, 
you know, if they know you're on Facebook, like you have the little Facebook button, maybe on the bottom of your PDF or it's on your packaging. Um, of course, you can do a lot there to get people's emails, to send them, give them coupons. You know, you can do a lot there. That's off the platform. And so anything you do off the platform is really your business, except, like I said, they don't like you to take the names, phone numbers or, or addresses of your buyers on Amazon and market to them directly. Um, right. So I have that. Okay. So anyway, that's my two cents on that. No, that's great. All right. Here's a big one that comes in. People always ask, have you seen anybody ever suspended for adding text or graphics on images, but not the main image, okay, on the secondary through the seventh image, let's say, because people freak out about that. What's the stance on that? Um, I have seen people do it if they do it improperly. There, there are guidelines on how to do this. And with the new enhanced brand uh, content, again, if you're the brand owner and you have enhanced A-plus content or, you know, the like, uh, you have a lot more freedoms. And, and so you can use, you know, graphics or arrows or, you know, words, and it's usually not a problem. Um, again, you just have to follow the guidelines. Uh, I think there's certain things you can't say, um, like you can't put your website there. You can't, um, you know, you can't say really hypey marketing things like the best ever XYZ. Um, you can't do stuff like that. But if it's like, an arrow trying to explain how something works, or if you're showing a picture of the item in action um, and you want to say at the top, you know, works great in the rain, uh, you know, or right. well, be careful with yeah. the word great, but you know, works. No, I see what you Yeah. Saying. works in the rain. Yeah. You know. Like call outs and things like yeah. that. Like it zooms in on a forearm brace or something yeah. like that. And it shows. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Oh, that's cool. So, I'm going to put you on the spot here with this one. What are the, because you see a lot of, I mean, tons of suspensions, probably more than just about anybody. What are the latest kinds of black hat manipulations going on that people are being suspended for? Oh my gosh. Um, Okay. Don't buy anything from that guy in India who is approaching you through the platform and promising to get you on page one. Don't do it. It's manipulation of the platform and it's bringing people down. um, And you know, it's really hard to go to Amazon after the fact and say that you're sorry or that you didn't know that what you were doing was wrong. Um, so that's one that I see people doing that just drives me crazy. Um, and then let's see, what are some others? Uh, I mean, like I said, there's still people trying to game the system with reviews. There's still people, uh, SEO, of course. Um, I think what's another one? Oh, here's one. Oh, this is driving one of my clients crazy because he's trying to get a competitor to stop this. But there's been some people who have um, come on the platform and they maybe own four or five brands and they have four or five different accounts. Um, But they're all the same company and they're all the same thing. So let's say you're selling um, a battery, you know, some kind of battery. And there's private label one, two, three, four, five. And all of those private label batteries are one, the same damn battery, and two, all owned by the same guy. But because they have it up there as if they have five different accounts and as if they're, as if they're five different companies, they can really crowd out all the rest of the competitors. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So they take the first half of the first page, the entire yeah. listing is theirs. It shows under different brands. It looks, they're basically getting a monopoly almost on the whole yes. thing. Yes. 
and it's totally against terms of service. Um, it's very annoying. And even when you bring it to Amazon's attention that they're doing this and that it's a violation of code of conduct, um, it seems impossible to make these guys, meaning Amazon, do anything about it. It's really frustrating. Yeah, I can see how that would be tricky for sure. Uh-huh. People are going out there and setting up accounts and then logging into the accounts through various you know, VPNs or whatever mm-hmm. it is that they're doing to keep them separate. Let's go back to the Indian uh, or Bangladesh or wherever, because I get contacted every day, mm-hmm. I think. We have a group with 19,000 sellers in there and <laughs> they somehow get in and then they PM people. Mm-hmm. So I was under the assumption, and you correct me if I'm wrong, that outside influences can't really get you suspended because, for example, and, and you can tell me, if I'm wrong here, if some guy from Bangladesh says, hey, I can rank your keywords number one on a listing, you don't have to pay me until I get you there. That's kind of mm-hmm. the, the email that you get, right? Or the message. Mm-hmm. And I say, okay, sure. And I give him my competitor's ASIN number, right? Mm-hmm. This guy's going to go out there and blast my competitor's ASIN to page one. And that guy had nothing to do with it. So can Amazon really suspend that? Are they going to suspend them, mm-hmm. right? I mean, are you seeing that happen? No. So I haven't seen that one yet, but I mean, of course it could happen. Um, But you know, that's the thing. Amazon knows when somebody's manipulating the platform, they can tell. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the techniques that these guys, you know, in India or wherever they are, are doing is they're repeatedly, you know, bombarding the platform, you know, with your keywords basically to get them up there. So some, I mean, God, think, think of a mind numbing, tedious job is that you just sit there and all you do is ping and ping, 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 ping um, those keywords. Yeah, I imagine it's automated. But yeah. I guess my question still is, if it's an outside influence, because like, okay, so review manipulation, it's clear cut, right? You're the one that controls it. It's coming from your account. You control that. If it's a trademark that you stick in the back end on your search terms that you're not supposed to, it's a violation. You're controlling that. Mm-hmm. But any outside influence, like driving out external traffic or links or anything to your site, you have no control. I mean- it could be you, but it could be anybody else. So how does Amazon actually determine if that's a violation? That's the question I have. Well, I don't know how the black box works, but I do know that they they do it. And then you have to prove yourself innocent. I mean, it's like mm, the IRS. Okay. You're guilty until proven innocent. <laughs> so now, you know, everyone listening to this is like, oh, wow, I have a great way to go screw my competitor. Uh, <laughs> well, oh, sorry. So, yeah. <laughs> it's, that's the way my brain works. I'm like, wait, uh, you know, they used to do it on Google a long time ago. I think they called it Google bombing mm-hmm. or something like that, where, you know, Google really penalized you if you had links back to your site from really shady mm-hmm. sites, low level sites and people because people wanted thousands and thousands of links so you can get them cheap. So then they started penalizing you and then people are like, well, shoot, if they're going to penalize me, I'll just hire a service to link all of these guys to my competitors. So they put a stop to that. So like outside linking doesn't Mm -hmm. hurt your account. I don't know if Amazon's still going through this, you know, the growing pains and figuring it out. It seems like they're a little bit behind with this kind of stuff right now. Well, so far, um, the only dirty trick that I've really seen a lot of lately, and it is a really dirty trick, is that people um, will go onto a competitor's listing and they'll vote up the negative review and vote down the positive review. And they'll have a bunch of people do that. So um, again, you know, the people in India, right? They're growing and they're, they're um, bumping up all the negative reviews on your competitors' listings. And yeah. that is so hard to prove. And believe me, I've made this case many times. And, um, you know, I don't really see Amazon doing much about it. But, um, and, and it's wrong. And it's really frustrating because there's nothing my client can do about it. Yeah, I think they're on the right path. 
originally when they changed the way reviews work and you know you could only leave so many reviews and you couldn't leave a review unless you purchase a certain amount of products mm -hmm. i think that they have to go further with that maybe instead of i don't what is it 50 bucks or something like mm -hmm. that that you'd have to purchase before you can leave reviews i don't remember but they should maybe raise that up maybe you can't do that unless it's 200 or something because these guys out there they have tons and tons of accounts right that you can set up very cheaply so yeah they've got some work to do to fix yeah. all this and people are going to figure it out anyway cynthia right they're going to figure out loopholes constantly yeah that's what break the system. that's what i call job security so um you know <laughs> yeah for you it's great <laughs> yeah but i mean also my clients tend to be very clever people and yeah. and so they're often the ones pushing the envelope and then they show up in my door because it didn't work um yeah. but yeah no i i get it i know we're all trying to get an edge um i would yeah. remind people listening to this that amazon's new code of conduct um i wrote a blog about it a while ago but it is this is what amazon's getting ready to take on the the dirty seller tricks because a lot of things fall under code of conduct um, where seller, it's seller on seller damage, right? And, and so, you know, those, some of those techniques that we talked about earlier, you know, hey, let me give this ASIN to my, um, to my competitor so he gets in trouble. Um, all of those are against code of conduct. And, you know, Amazon is, is going after people who violate code of conduct. And yeah. I have not been able to get a single person back who was taken down for code of conduct. Now, really? Mm -hmm, nope. It, uh, it, they are done. And mm. so now I don't take code of conduct cases, but I did in the beginning because I wanted to try. Um, so very quickly, like in 15 seconds, what would be violations of code of conduct? Just rattle off a few. Uh, of them. You know, basically code of conduct is anytime you hurt another seller with your actions. Um, and so this could be the, the, the Chinese with their pop-up accounts that sell counterfeit goods. This could be, um, you know, people playing dirty tricks on other sellers, um, messing with their reviews. Um, it's a, it's a whole list of, of things, actually. You can, you can go look it up okay. in Seller Central now that you know it exists and you'll yeah, see, okay. that, but it's exactly that. It's about how to behave on the platform, which is ethically and uh, anyone who's trying to get an unfair business advantage, Amazon will take them down. And product reviews fits under code of conduct. Product reviews, so manipulation, uh, like that whole, if you don't like it, click here. If you like it, click here. That's yeah. the code of conduct. No, wait, no, it could. It's under the it code could. of conduct. But actually what they're okay. taking my clients down for is product review. Thank God for them. But because okay. eh, they're not the big offenders. But ones that they yeah. think are really big offenders, the bad actors, um, they take them out for um, code of conduct instead, and that and they're done. Mm -hmm. Okay, all right. The last thing I want to talk about, and we'll be done here because this has been awesome. But suspension insurance, okay? It's brand new. It's been going around just recently. We've been talking about it. I believe. Correct me if I'm wrong. You're part of at least one of these services. Is that right? Well, we're affiliated with them, but we're not part of them. Um, okay. And uh, you know, I think it's a really great idea. Um, in concept. And I think everyone needs to read the contract very carefully um, because there are some things they don't cover. And, um, you know, I've been talking to them since before it was launched about, I mean, talking like to Lloyd's and stuff. It's offered by Lloyd's of London um, because it's like, well, they basically, they started off saying, well, if you're guilty, 
then, you know, we don't have to pay out on the insurance. And it's like, well, what do you consider guilty? Because from Amazon's point of view, everyone is guilty until proven innocent. (laughs) So, and a lot of times my clients have made mistakes, but they're able to get back on the platform. So if they're able to get back, does that mean they're innocent? So um, this is something that has been, uh, anyway, they've been tweaking it, right? And so I would just say to everybody, you know, read it carefully to make sure it's going to cover you. But in terms of price and value, it's a really great value. Um, and I think it will buy peace of mind for a lot of honest sellers. Yeah. And if you guys are curious, those of you listening, I actually did a podcast with Ashlyn mm-hmm. Haddon, who runs one of the companies that deals with Lloyd's of London and does this. And as Cynthia just mentioned, it's pretty reasonable. Under three grand, you can get a policy that will protect you if you're suspended for more than five days. Speaking of which, they said at the time that I did the interviews, they hadn't had anybody that actually had needed to file yet, which, and I was like, oh, okay, because I'm curious to talk to people who've done it and see what the deal is. Have you actually been approached? Because now I believe they have. Are you one of the people that helped with any of these reinstatements for that service? Uh, Yeah, but I haven't seen any that took longer than five days. So um, I don't know, right, if it's been tested yet. You'd have to ask Ashlyn that. So five days, so yeah, so if you get it up within five days, they don't pay out, right. but that's cool for the seller because they're like, yeah, I'm back. Exactly. Action. So their loss has been limited. Um, yeah. The one thing I did want to tell people, because it's happening a lot right now, and I know it's not related to insurance, but there have been a ton of problems with verification. And we have stopped uh, offering verification reinstatements because we can't help people. What's a verification reinstatement? Okay, so what happens is you somehow fail verification either in the UK or the US. In the UK, every single seller that sells in the UK has to be verified. It's a law. It's an EU law. In the US, they're only doing it uh, with new sellers. Like if you're new to the platform and you just open up an account. And, And so people are getting shut down right and left because their documentation for one reason or another doesn't meet Amazon's requirements. And, um, and then they can't get back because Amazon doesn't offer a second bite at the apple. And so this is pretty devastating and I'm really pissed about it. Um, and I'm making my try, I'm writing about this, uh, and trying to get Amazon to pay attention because I mean, I had a client whose document was rejected because the, the bank that he got it from had to put a typo on it. And it was not my client's fault and it's not like he's trying to do anything shady and you know they they've got to figure out something that's better but so unfortunately this is something that can strike you know any seller anytime because even if you're in the US and you you think you're grandfathered if you get suspended for something else uh, and they're concerned they'll ask you to pass verification and so okay. that's the thing. And then, of course, if you're new and you want to just get started and you, you know, you, you, you can get, you'd be dead in the water before you ever get started. So um, I'm just telling people be very careful about verification and making sure that you really give Amazon what they ask for. Some people took it too lightly. You know, Amazon asked for a utility bill and they gave them some other bill, you know, stuff like that. Like be as anal as you can <laughs> because. Yeah. Or they'll fake it, oh. uh, Photoshop stuff. And their system, Amazon's system is like really, mm-hmm. really good at detecting that kind of stuff. Like they know the invoice numbers of companies because they have so much data that yes. comes in. 
If you're selling them a bill from a gas company and they probably received a thousand of those and then your invoice number is <laughs> just not right, they're going to know. Well, so they're pretty, they're pretty good. Well, and they're hooked into a lot of these utility companies and they, they can literally verify it very quickly. And, and yeah. so like I had a guy, he's living in his parents' basement. And so, you know, his dad has a bill. So he just basically put his name on there instead of his dad's. Well, guess what? When they went to verify it, you know, there is no utility bill under the son's name. And, yeah. you know, it's just mm. stuff like that. So I, anyway, I'm just telling people it's actually a very serious problem. The UK is even worse. Um, we've had some luck with the U.S. accounts, but uh, not with the, um, I mean, the U.K. is just, uh, I, I mean, I have a client right now. We've been working on his case for three months. Wow. He's the yeah. guy with the typo. Okay. So um, I just <sighs> tell people, and that's why we're not taking on any new ones. But uh, that's something that's new that's happening at Amazon, and people need to take it seriously. Okay. Yeah. Well, super information here. I think we've covered just about everything. I mean, this was pretty solid. I want to thank you for coming on the show. And if people want to reach out to you, what's the best way of doing that? Well, um, they can go to my website, egrowthpartners.com. Um, we also have an email, hello at egrowthpartners.com. And then my phone number is also on our website. So um, we have a, a receptionist and um, and that's those are probably the three best ways to get a hold of me or anyone on my team. Okay, great. Well, excellent value. This was a very, very informative podcast. I think for most people, hopefully they gained something out of it and things change so quickly with Amazon. So we got to get you back on the show probably in a few months because it'll probably all be oh, yeah, different. We'll be talking about something completely different. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Well, thank you, Cynthia. I appreciate your time. You've been listening to the AM PM podcast hosted by Manny Coates. For more information, insider, insider tools, tools, and to get the resources mentioned in this episode, visit ampmpodcast.com.